What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us back here on the Boot Sports Network for another episode of Boots to Balls, where we are um, all warmed up, as warmed up as we're going to be, and prepared to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you. Uh, now, things might look a little different to a lot of you guys. Um, I don't want to cause a ruckus. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did not lose our spot in the capital city at Echo Tango. We will be back there again next week. God willing. Uh, here's what happened was. Your boy caught the flu for his birthday. Mm. And trying to be a responsible co-host, decided that it would be best if we podcast from a safe social distance of about 75 miles. So... Now, uh, we're using the uh, marvels of modern uh, post-COVID pandemic technology, and we're bringing this to you live. But I kind of enjoy this whole live streaming aspect, and maybe we do this more often, depending on how this, uh, how this works out. I agree. It allows us to, you know, have our own setup here. We're able to be in the comfort of wherever we do it at, and, you know, who knows? Maybe this will increase our knowledge or make us seem smarter. Now, I don't know exactly how the folks uh, at home or wherever they're watching are seeing it. So if you have to look at producer Brett's face throughout the entirety of this show, I apologize. I do want to say this. Uh, we will be taking live comments. Uh, I have a comment feed right here. So if you put a comment, I can see it and point it out. Nice. But of course, I'm joking. Uh, producer Brett, not the ugliest man I've ever met. Um, and then, of course... We got Donald Dunn Absolutely. and myself, David Storm, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. Pardon me if I don't give it a whole lot of gusto. I'm happy to be breathing in whatever capacity I am. Right. So we got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to do another something we have never done before here on Boots to Balls. We have a guest going to be joining us later today from the Baton Rouge Zydeco. Play-by-play -play announcer Joseph Furtado is going to be here. Baton Rouge Zydeco, they slap it a pucks tomorrow. That's right. First game ever of the inaugural season. It's going to be great to discuss with him sort of what the process was like getting off from just becoming a concept game that basically got thrown together to a full functioning team down there in the Federal Pacific Hockey League. So, you know, we talk every sport here on the Boot Sports Network. We give you all the coverage that other people are lacking. So tonight we're going to go ahead and show you something that no one else has given you, and we're going straight to the people who are going to be broadcasting it for you all season long. Yeah, man. We're going to do that a little bit later on in the show. Of course, you know that we do have uh, Saints, Tulane, and LSU football coverage. Uh, we also, uh, we've got basketball. We yes, still yes. haven't figured out exactly what we're calling it yet. Uh, Brett really likes just the tip. Wants to keep just the tip forever. I don't hate it, but I just don't know that it's, it continues to serve the purpose. Boots to backboards? Maybe that wasn't it. Full court press. I should also mention that the Pelicans have tipped the opening of their season. They are live right now, and, you know, it'll be interesting to follow that play-by-play -play as we're doing a live show with, you know, their opening broadcast tonight. So whenever we do get to the basketball segment later on, we'll have some pretty insightful and first-hearing-it-here uh, commentary on that game. Yeah, you're right. 
going to be a great show. First thing we're going to do, as producer Brett was saying today, because we're live streaming, we do have the ability to take your comments live. So if there is anything that you would like to say as we're going, uh, now we actually get an opportunity to respond to them in real time instead of kicking off the show, kicking it to the comments like we do. Some of the some of our favorite comments from the last episode, Charlotte Hall 5767 said, another great show. Uh, thank you very much. And also gave us some predictions for the Saints and LSU games, and we have tied those into our own predictions, and we'll let you know how we did. Mm-hmm. Speaking of predictions and an episode of firsts, one of the faces you're looking at Ooh. predicted one game dead on perfect. Right winner, right score. Was it your boy? Was it him? Was it? Was it him? Donald? Or was it producer Brett? Stick around and find out. At NA Moore 1279 said, happy birthday, Saints man. Thank you very much, sir or madam. Still have no idea. The world may never know. At Jordan Presley 5336 said, would like to see Jaden Daniels run the read option more without slipping on his feet. I'll make sure that we pass that on to the coaches. That's right. But as long as they're winning, I'm not really worried. And Jack Vincent Music 6785 said, I am here at the premiere, hashtag true fan. But Jack Vincent Music, are you here now? Ooh. If so, be the first to post a live comment and let us know that you are here right now. So, Producer Brett, would you mind if I take that live comment? I see we have one. Sure. So, uh, as you know, we keep the fans interactive here, and uh, I believe this is your friend, uh, Dave, C.D. Levee, said, Storm, thanks for paying off your bet in such an amazing fashion. This was much better than a beer. You are a great sport. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so, one, I'm happy that he is uh, with us today. Two, I'm happy that everything came in. So here's, here's what had happened was. The bet, of course, as we remember, very first game of the season. Uh, Early episode. Chris out there, he's a Florida State alum and has been a Florida State lifer. And um, and we bet. Uh, I, of course, said I thought LSU was going to win. He said, uh, he said, absolutely not. I believe his words were, you're on ding dong. And, of course, I lost. And when we agreed to terms, uh, the terms were that we were going to get him some, um, some, some very unique items from the Saints-Jags game, because now he lives out in Jacksonville, but he still keeps the Saints fandom strong. So here's what we were able to throw in for Chris, uh, whose birthday was October 2nd, by the way, so happy late birthday again. Uh, We started off late Thursday night into early Friday morning. I happened to bump into um, former Florida State Seminole slash Heisman Trophy winner slash current New Orleans Saints backup quarterback, Jameis Winston, who was able to record a real quick happy birthday shout out to your boy. Uh, We were able to get him my actual uh, sheet when I do the player introductions. And we had, uh, and I can't for the life of me remember who it was. It was one of our backup offensive linemen. It's a Florida State player who was lucky enough to to get to play that game. So I signed that for him, sent it on the way. Got him the Saints yearbook. Uh, for this season, it's a little magazine-style yearbook. Their programs uh, are the the Saints game day programs. Got him the program from the game, and I got him a flip card that was wow. um, 
that is what Mark Romig uses when he does the actual play-by-play calls. So it's got all the players for both teams, starting lineups and all the rest of that. Mark Romig signed it. He's an iconic uh, New Orleans Saints guy as well. I also have, uh, hanging on, not the wall behind me, but the wall in front of me that you can't see, a reproduced insert from the 1965 uh, original Saints season tickets uh, that I'm going to have to show you guys. And I think I have some extra copies. Mark Romig printed a bunch of them up for me. Um, and I would gladly share if you guys would like. Um, but it's 1967. I'm, I'm looking at it because I want to look at it. Uh, but it's the original insert that was given to all the season ticket holders. And then uh, just because we're both local guys and we like our Dixie beer, you see it right there back behind me, that Dixie beer sign hanging on my wall, he now has one to hang on his as well. So I'm really excited that he got it. Everything did come in. Uh, was able to do a little bit more than I thought I was going to be able to do. Yeah, that sounds like great haul. Yeah. Well, look, here's the thing. I, and we we joke around about it a lot. And I say, and, and, and I guess we should probably even allude to this, bet on me, not against me. Mm. Nobody's wearing the shirt of shame this week. And that is interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. Uh, he is the, the one bet that I, that I have lost. So, and I went back and I checked and I listened to the terms of our discussion mm -hmm. last week. The only reason anybody would have agreed to wear the shirt of shame based on what was said on this show was if you, Donald, yeah. uh, if you were wrong about your prediction regarding South, uh, Southeastern Northwestern. How did that go? Well, you're not wearing the shirt. So That's how right. I'm that? not wearing the shirt. And we'll say this while well, you got the team right. Uh, you did not get the score right. So if you're nope. thinking that's the one that somebody pegged on the head, it wasn't that one. It was one of the other six. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But happy to have uh, happy to have Chris as part of the show. Thank you for being our first live commenter. Hope you enjoy all the great stuff. And uh, if I missed anything in that box, please let me know what it was that I missed, and we can we can put that up there as well. All right. So let's uh, let's get into sports because we got a lot to get to and not oh, a lot yeah, of time to get to it today. We'll start with the Saints and get that out of the way. They yeah. dropped to three and four with a twenty uh, with a thirty-one twenty-four loss to the Jags last weekend in predictions. I told y'all we need to temper our expectations going into this one, and if you did like I did, hopefully this loss was a little easier to take. When the Saints were down seven to three after one, I did not like the way it looked. Mm -mm. When it was seventeen to six at half, I was sure it was all but over. When it was 24-9 at the end of three, I started really hoping that Jacksonville was going was gonna to kick a field goal and then the Saints would hit a touchdown and a two-point conversion because then I'd have hit my prediction for that game dead on. Yeah. But that all jumped right out the window when the Saints started playing in the fourth, tied it up at 24, jumped out quickly, scored a go-ahead touchdown in 38 seconds. Then in the final three minutes, we drove with a chance to tie again. And either go for the win or force overtime. The Saints failed in the red zone on a drive that included the now well-documented drop by Foster Morrow in the end zone. It was uh, nice to see the Saints offense start to get things going towards the end. However, I feel like it was a little too little too late. Yeah, Derek, didn't quite pull it out. Yeah, Derek Carr was 33 of 55, 301, 60% completions. He did throw a pick six. That hurts. 
especially when you're you're in a game that's that's that close. Derek Carr, by the way, his best performance as a Saint came in New England, where he finished with a passer rating of 114.7. Other than that, he's only been above 100 one other time, and that was in Lambeau against Green Bay, where he didn't even play the whole game. He got injured in the third quarter. Yep. It was a 104.6 in that game. His season average currently is a measly 82.8. It was not good. Last season in 15 games, Derek Carr had a passer rating of 86.3, which is something that we're just not used to from our franchise quarterback. In Drew's last five years, his lowest rating was a 101.7. I know that people are going to say, well, what about Jameis and Andy Dalton? And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but while they were our quarterbacks, uh, while they were the quarterbacks, rather, of our franchise, uh, they weren't necessarily our franchise quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. There is kind of a difference there. Um, but in case you're wondering, Andy Dalton had a 95.2 rating last season. Jameis had a 102.8 in 2021 before getting injured. Uh, the Jaguars. Oh, and here's a, a thing I want to get your your particular take on. Um, okay. Jaguars safety Rayshon Jenkins said of Derek Carr after the game, quote, we know, that, we know that's Derek Carr's game. He's going to check down, check down, check down. We just have to win the game. Uh, we just have to win the game down the field, and that was the mindset of the DBs. We'll let him have the checkdowns. We'll come up, rally, tackle, get rid of the slot play, the shot plays. Is Derek Carr that predictable? So I, I think the best way we can look at what Derek Carr has become over the course of this season is I look at his stats from his best years in uh, Oakland slash Las Vegas. He is down on those stats. He is not necessarily at this point, I think, predictable. I think you can make the argument that he might be lost in the offense. Ultimately, this man cannot quite put it together to where it's efficient. He's putting it together to where he can get a win. He's putting it together to where he can command a game. But I have not seen Derek Carr operate at a smooth efficiency like we saw with him both in uh, one of his better years in Las Vegas and, of course, his 13-3 and three year in Oakland. It It's just not quite what I know Derek Carr's best game is, and that even prompts higher questions to the way is it truly an offensive issue uh, as far as the schematics and the play calling, or is it getting to the point to where there are certain players, like we talked in previous episodes, who are failing to execute, who are failing to make the calls work like intended. We saw a few plays in that Jacksonville game where people either outran the route or they maybe had to go about... Um, they ran the wrong route. ran the wrong route. You could say it a lot of different ways. You know, we think to maybe Alvin there late in the fourth. We think to Olave where he kind of pulled up uh, on a deep ball. Many different situations in that game that sort of gave a little bit of an insight to even the most casual viewer that, hey, this is not quite what they're planning and it's not working in that smooth way. So I'm not going to put it all on Derek at this point. I'm not going to say that Derek's performance is anything that's holding the team back. I think overall, like we've discussed, the entire offense is lacking in production. And if those pieces can't start to click, then, you know, there's obviously a puzzle piece that's not meant to be in that puzzle. So you mentioned um, Derek Carr. You talked about some of the receivers and the routes and the miscommunications. 
This was the second game in a row that Derek Carr came off very angrily to the sidelines after mm-hmm. some of those repeated miscommunications with his receivers. And over the past couple of days, the videos have been all over um, social media, TikTok, uh, all of the rest of uh, wherever you get your reels and your threads and whatnot. Uh, one of the Jacksonville Jaguars was uh, mic'd up. And when Chris Olave either gave up or didn't run the entirety of that route, and you saw Derek Carr yelling at him on the field, it got picked up on the mic'd up receiver. Yeah. And he's yelling at Chris Olave, run! Chris, run! And then the, the defender was going, Derek, it wasn't there, man. Calm down. But you're seeing Derek Carr get so super frustrated. And, and there is a part of me that goes, you know what? I love that guy's passion. Yeah. I do. But then there's another part of me that um, almost feels like I'm watching the movie The Replacements in real time. Do you remember the movie The Replacements with Shane Falco? Mm-hmm. In the very end of the, the season when the, the, the streak breaks, and I forget who the, the big Tom Brady-esque yeah. quarterback, quarterback was. He comes back, and he starts playing, and he's got absolutely no chemistry with the team, and he's yelling at everybody this, yelling at everybody at that, and they go down halftime into the locker room, and nobody could win with these scabs. And then Shane Falco, Keanu Reeves, comes back. Oh, yep. like, I almost feel like sometimes that's what I'm watching, that kind of breakdown between a quarterback that just doesn't have the chemistry with his players. How do you think... And this is just two fans speculating. Yeah. How do you feel like that attitude from your quarterback affects the rest of the team? Obviously, Derek is somebody who I think is at the point in his career where he realizes his window could be at a close at any moment. Um, So he has put himself to his knowledge, in the best position he can be to go out there and chase a playoff run, chase a championship. That's why he came to New Orleans, I believe. Um, Having that home here, it's not quite what he expected, maybe, whenever he first made that transition, whenever he first made the jump to New Orleans. He said, okay, this is somewhere we all heard about in the offseason. Saints are pretty much the strongest team in the division. This should be something that should run relatively smoothly. And obviously it hasn't. So as he's living with his own reality, I think it's starting to come out a little bit on the field more than what we normally see from some quarterbacks. He ultimately is in a position to where if he can regulate that, he could probably give a little bit more stability to the team. We've seen Alvin have some similar remarks after his first game back where there's something that just isn't quite clicking. And I don't know if that's because everybody on the team at this point is spoiled from who's left over from the Drew era, who knew what it was like to have the hyper-efficiency that the Peyton Breeze era was known for, or if it's just a matter of fact that it doesn't feel good to professionals to be making amateur mistakes, Um, mistakes that you would see sometimes at, you know, the college level or lower. That's where I think there's a lot of tension building. And, you know, the Saints have plenty of opportunity to get right. We'll talk about it later in the episode where their upcoming schedule is somewhat favorable. But it's going to have to get right soon or it could end up destroying the whole season. So you talked about players making comments. After the game, Michael Thomas was quoted as saying, quote, it ain't the coaches, it's the players. That's what we've got to take pride in. 
we've got to go out there and do our job. It's on us. I don't want to hear nothing about a coach calling plays right now. We just have to show them we can win, execute, and make those plays. How much of the Saints' offensive woes right now do you think are on the players versus coaches? At this point, I know we want to say from the players' perspective they're putting the accountability on them. Look, I'm going to say this one is probably at about a 70-30% coach-to-player ratio. It would be nice to believe that this is something that can all be handled by, you know, just, uh, you know, players running the right route, catching a couple balls that are dropped, and everything's fixed. I don't think it's at that point anymore. This is getting to be schematics to where you're being found out by defenses, you're failing to execute in the red zone game over game. It's not anymore a simple, oh, that was a rough game. It's now this is a rough look, and it's a repeated look. That's why, unfortunately, in the Dome, we're hearing the Boo Birds come out. Um, we're hearing a lot of frustration from the fan base, and it's because the fan base knows what they want to see. Now, I think it's also fair to say, look, you're not going to get Drew Brees every single year that you're a fan of this franchise. But you have to understand with the products that you have on the field and the talent, you can look at it based on cap space. You can look at it based on a lot of statistical analysis. This team should be performing higher. This is not a bottom third talent group. This is a, no. this is an above average, if not at worst, middle of the road NFL offensive talent group. This team should be performing higher. And it, it's right to let the team know, hey, we see it. Do you see it? Because it needs to change. Yeah. So one thing I was happy to see, Jamal Williams. That's right. He made that, a return. He played. And let me tell you what I was unhappy with about Jamal Williams. He only had five rushes for 14 yards. I know that that's not what Jamal wants. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, maybe he wasn't 100% a full go. Maybe he was ready to play. He was good to play. But, you know, at, even when Alvin Kamara had his first game back, it wasn't his best game. You know, he needed some time to kind of work some things out. But I have jokingly referred to the potential of having both Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara in the backfield at the same time as the two-headed dragon. Oh, yeah. Because with the firepower they possess, if they're both standing back there in the backfield, you have to be worried about which dragon head is going to split, split, split flames. Yes. Not one time. Did they both line up for the same play? The Saints only used one back per play. I feel, and maybe that's just me, I feel like that was a mistake. I feel like you, there needs to be some wrinkles in the playbook where you put them both back there. Not that I think necessarily, you know, you get one to block for the other because neither mm -hmm. one of them are really blocking running backs. But... I mean, you fake it one and hand a misdirection to the other. You have an end around one way. You know, I don't know who throws the ball better, but maybe you start working out with uh, some options, like some, some flea flickers, a little something, something. Um, there's so many wrinkles, and that's another thing that I feel like we haven't really seen from the Saints this year. We haven't seen any razzle-dazzle. We haven't seen any sparkle, no trick plays, no, no fun. Exactly, and that's a weird thing to think because, you know, you look at some of the Saints' more uh, effective 
offensive production and it's something the Taysom plays effectively you know you're getting at least four to five yards of carry when Taysom's in the game if not whenever he's receiving the ball and you ask yourself okay we know Taysom has a throwing threat but it's not being utilized this season so why are we not seeing maybe using an athlete like Jamal like Alvin in a Taysom type package where you still can keep Taysom on the field and use him maybe in his tight end role, which we have not seen much tight end Taysom uh, as we were promised or promoted. So at this point... And he's a quarterback now. Yeah, he's a quarterback now. But next week he'll be the wide receiver because that's how the Saints roll with Taysom. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what to expect from this offense anymore because it is so far gone from the, you know, sort of just having fun, go lucky... Uh, 2011, 2018 Drew Brees era, and it's not what we saw originally with Jameis and Andy, so now it's sort of like in this chopped and muddled state. I, I just, frankly, as a fan, don't quite know what the long-term strategy is. I don't think they're trying to make Derek into a 5,000-yard passer, but at the same time, I don't think they're trying to make, you know, a dual 1,000-yard rushers with Alvin and Jamal, so... It's kind of it's kind of a unique situation we put ourselves in. To that point, <laughs> excuse me. I agree that I don't think they're trying to make Derek Carr a five thousand yard passer. But if you can't make one thousand yard rusher, and I wonder if we have the offensive line to do it. You need to have at least a 3,500 to 4,000 yard passer. And in order for that to happen, you have to have better chemistry with the receivers. Uh, It's going to be an interesting thing to look ahead to. Uh, There's always uh, some interesting correlations when uh, we take on the Indianapolis Colts. That's the game coming up this weekend, and we will take a deeper dive into that one in predictions in just a little bit. While the Saints may not be trying to uh, turn Derek Carr into a 5,000-yard rusher. We are trying to turn you into a $10,000 winner. Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish would like to give you ten grand. Family Promise is an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore, but they cannot do it alone. For only $25 from now to December 15th, you can buy tickets for the fourth annual Family Promise raffle. Starting on November 1st, which is just right around the corner, they're going to start drawing for amazing daily prizes, and all daily prize winners will remain eligible for that $10,000 grand prize drawing on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds, so get yours now at fpstp.org. That's fpstp, Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish.org. And, of course, we here at the Boot Sports Network are trying our best to continue to show you that we are capable of anything when it comes to covering the state of Louisiana. In our first first live broadcast, no matter the sickness or ailment, we're still coming to you with the most up-to-date coverage we can of this wonderful state that we live in and the sports that surround it. So what we ask you in return is to simply share your support back with us. Leave a like on the video, hit the subscribe button, the bell button's right over there, right next to it. They like to be friends, hit them together, it goes crazy. Now, what we're going to have coming up here later in the show, we're going to have our first guest host. 
And we would like you to leave any questions or comments that you might have during that discussion. We want to get you involved with the guest, and that way you can continue to contribute to the sports media platform here in Louisiana. Again, not only follow us here, but on our other social media platforms, be it X, Instagram, TikTok, all of them are waiting for you with our latest sports content. Once again, and there you can see, tell your friends. It's important because we grow when you grow the show. It's all organic here. We're doing it so that way we can create a true community and we love having each and every one of you every week. Once again, follow and like here on the Boots Sports Network. You know who else loves organic environments? Who is that? Screaming goats. All right. That's a good, <laughs> That's a good joke. Blue brain. But nobody was expecting that. <laughs> no. It did come out of left field there. I did it to myself. All right. That's right. Uh, you want to talk a little bit of college football here before we bring our guest on? Let's knock it out real quick. Uh, I don't think there's much to say as far as LSU uh, beat the literal U.S. Army. Well, here's how. Here's why. This yeah. is exactly why. I posted it as a joke on TikTok last week. And it did pretty good as far as some of my TikToks go. As soon as they revealed the camouflage end zones, I jokingly mm-hmm. said, did they do that in tribute or were they trying to make the end zones harder to find? I'm just saying. It, might uh, it was pretty effective there. You know, you it, look at the Tigers. It seemed like it worked. You look at the Tigers' performance here as I pull up some of the stats from the game. Uh, it was 62 to nothing. And it wasn't a pretty 62. It wasn't a uh, lovely 62. But what I will mention, as I am required to, as a member of this show that participates, um, it was an interesting over-under line of uh, 60 and a half. And it would be a shame if I don't give some congratulations to SEC Freshman of the Week, Trey Holly who uh, completed a 67-yard touchdown run with less than a minute to go to hit the over for all of you who care out there in Vegas. Nice. I'm just saying this is the same army that is back-to-back World War champions, and LSU beat them. And, And this is crazy. I saw this on Facebook, and it's someone shared a photo of the uh, paratroop drop at the beginning, and they commented, I just wonder how far up you can hear Tiger Stadium. And did y'all hustle to keep the American flag from touching the ground? In which the actual paratrooper paratrooper. that jumped into the thing said, I heard you guys from inside the aircraft 5,000 feet in the air, and I heard you while in free fall through my helmet. The stadium is electric. So, not only does LSU fans cause earthquakes, but we can be heard from the heavens themselves. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. Uh, LSU was. was dominant in every phase of that game. It was a very clean game. Three penalties for 10 yards for LSU. That was it. Army, military precision, baby. No recorded penalties at all. I can't remember the last time I watched a football game of any team not Mm -hmm. get a penalty. Army had zero. 
Uh, we anticipated a very strong Army run game, which accounted for 151 of their total 193 yards of offense. Kudos to the Army offensive line. They not only allowed that rushing game to happen, they got no penalties, but they also protected the Army quarterbacks. LSU was only able to get one sack. Shout out to Greg Penn for picking up said sack. Uh, the LSU defensive secondary, however, uh, did get three interceptions. They found another fumble to recover along the way as well, did the LSU defense. Uh, tremendous momentum over the past couple of weeks. To head into a bye week before coming back to face Alabama. The biggest bye week of them all. I, I do want to say one last thing about the Army game. Uh, what was hilarious was in the post-game press conference, the Army head coach was asked, what do you think you could do to make your team more winnable in the future to win more football games? And he responded very quickly, very promptly, never play that team ever again. That's right. That's right. Take note, fellas. That is absolutely... Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Well, no, I was going to ask, is, this is my last question regarding LSU before we move on. Mm-hmm. I know that I like having Bama after a bye week. I think mm-hmm. I would rather ride the wave of momentum, have that good feeling into it. Are we that banged up that we need time to heal? So if we're looking at this year over year, I think you have a good point on maybe it would be better if we didn't get to get to the level of astronomical hype and anxiety and pressure that we put on the team going into Bama week, knowing that it oftentimes, as it will this year, more than likely decide the SEC West. What we do have, though, is we have the opportunity to get our team as on focus as we can get them, get them uh, tied into their plays, get them tied into some rest, even catch up on schoolwork if that's starting to become a worry, NCAA-wise. Um, this week, I think, is going to be more important for the Tigers than anything this year in injuries. We saw the uh, unfortunate moment when we had a cornerback go down. Frankly, there's not much left in that secondary. With uh, both Denver Harris and Deuce Chestnut, as Brian Kelly said, not currently practicing, but still on scholarship. There are no more real cornerbacks left besides the ones we have. At that point, you're going to be bringing in safeties that are not intended to play that role, and that's something that you don't want to see. And, and look, I'm not going to say Alabama is the most prolific offense in the SEC, but at the same time, they are also still to be respected. And we saw what they did against Tennessee, a team that we thought had them on the ropes the majority of the first half. Um at the end of the day, if the Tigers are truly ready and they can go ahead with what they have, I think that we would be in more than a better shape getting the rest this week. I liked Brett's face when you said Alabama needed to be respected. Because uh, I was thinking of making a similar face. Um, they don't call it Bama Hate Week because we respect them. We know that Alabama has a statistically good football team. We know that they rank high in the AP Top 25. We know that they are the darlings, or at least they have been up until recently. We have to respect them. All I've heard this week is, Bama is back! Bama is back! They beat Tennessee! You know, the Tennessee that was beat 
by Billy Napier's Florida, who the, which is a dumpster fire of a program. It's so riled up you can barely even make Barely it. won right. any games. But it's hey. Looking like a like an ocean ladder. They beat Tennessee. So they must be the greatest team ever. It's the same thing at the beginning of the season when people were like, Deion Sanders is the GOAT. He's going to Bama next. He's going to be undefeated. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Deion Sanders is what? The GOAT? People were saying, hey, people were saying that at the beginning of the season. And then he played a real team, I Oregon, and we all saw how that happened. Uh, Texas. They, all, they were all leaving the game going. Yeah. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, Tennessee's offense is meh. Hendon Hooker's gone. If they had Hooker, then I would think, wow, that's a great accomplishment for Bama to beat them at home. But as I previously mentioned, Napier's Florida beat this Tennessee, and Florida hasn't been good since they cursed themselves throwing the 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 shoe in 2020. So um, I'm not worried of this Alabama. I, I I understand we are going to a hostile environment at uh, Brian Dennehy. I think it fits a hundred thousand people, but it's interesting that only seven families, with the exception of visitor sections has ever showed up and um i don't know i'm just saying when it comes to respecting alabama uh, a great great band leonard skinner once wrote a song about how great alabama was and all they could come up with is how blue the sky is so well good thing is we have a whole extra week to talk about it and we'll get ready for that next week the extended bama hate week has begun I'm going to do a quick little talk in here about some Tulane before we go into we are. our big moment. We're this out real quick before we welcome our guest here in about three minutes yeah. to see if we can get through this. Uh, Tulane topped North Texas 35-28, to 28, so they move up one spot to 22 in the AP Top 25. Tulane had a dominant 21 nothing lead at the half, but midway through the fourth quarter, they were tied at 28. Michael Pratt had a 19-yard game-winning touchdown run on 3rd and 12 with 2.42 left to play to seal the game for the Green Wave. As much as Tulane dominated in the first half, North Texas very much outplayed Tulane in the second. Uh, quarterback Michael Pratt said that he and his teammates were unfazed by the squandering of their lead, which I kind of honestly believe was bravado. You don't suddenly yeah. give up 21 unanswered points. Oh, yeah, we were uh, fine. Yeah, we had it the whole time. Yeah, yeah it was so great. Maybe maybe after the first seven, at mm-hmm. 14, you're going, oh, this could be a problem. At 21, you're calling all your friends to help you fix the levy. That's right. Uh, considering that this was North Texas, who is now 3-4 and four overall, 1-2 and two in conference play, had Tulane remained as dominant as they played in the first half, Donald, do you think that they would have ascended higher in the AP top 25. And I say that because now you're looking at James Madison, who is seven and zero in Sunbelt sitting at 25 air force is seven and zero in the mountain West at 19. I think Tulane's kind of locked in right now. I think Tulane can't really ascend much higher than air force until air force takes a loss. Uh, the undefeated record will carry them farther, unfortunately. And at this point, I don't think they're going to fall behind James Madison because while they're undefeated, 
and you may be seeing this already. They're in a major un, they're in a major dispute with the NCAA due to their recent ascension from FCS to FBS football. They are currently barred from participating in a bowl game and or their conference championship. So it will be interesting to see if the NCAA grants an exception due to the way how they're performing this season and lets them participate in any postseason activity, which then would then basically qualify Tulane as the best team, assuming Air Force takes a loss. So who do you think is better? If you put Air Force and the Green Wave on the field, any field, neutral site, who wins? I think right now I would trust Tulane slightly just because of how their defense has performed over the entire year. And uh, sometimes those service academies take a little bit of a hit when they go up against stronger defenses, as we saw Army did, even though I would say she was not the strongest, but even the talent level was there. You could see it. Um, honestly, I'd, take, I'd probably take the Green Wave by about a, a field goal right now. Oh. I would like to see it. Now, they're not going to face Air Force, not at any point this season. Uh, they're going to see Rice next. They're traveling to face the Rice Owls. We're going to break that down a little bit later on in predictions. But now I think we're right on the money. Look at that, 55 on the dime. Uh, it is time to bring in our very first ever guest. That's right. On Boots Balls. Yeah. He is the play-by-play. Do we have him, Brett? Uh, he is hopping on the call now. He's just right, been instructed. Right, he's looking good, all four pictures, will, and we'll get to I will talk slowly as he's hopping on the screen. He uh, is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Baton Rouge Zydeco hockey team. He is Joseph Furtado. Is he here? Is he coming? Here he's here. What's going on, guys? What's going on? You know, hey, we're, we're at the arena right now, okay? So if you guys can uh, see that from up here, my nice. vantage point, that's uh, where we're at. There he is. Hockey in Baton Rouge. That's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks for having me, guys. All right, yeah, so uh, do us a favor, first and foremost, for folks who... Uh, this is the first time hearing the name Joseph Furtado or first time hearing the words Baton Rouge and Zydeco in the same sentence, not referring to music. Uh, give them the breakdown. What's going on? Well, you know, hockey's finally back here in, in Baton Rouge. It's been, what, 20-something years, and finally we got, you had the Kingfish a long time ago, and now finally the Zydeco are here playing the FPHL, the last team you guys had here or the Kingfish. Now, they played in the ECHL, which is about two levels higher because the FPHL is considered single-A hockey in pro hockey. So you have like A, double-A, triple-A, right? That sort of thing. Almost like baseball, right? So same thing here. Now, this is a two steps higher than that, the ECHL. So, you know, hockey finally back here, and uh, the games come are starting tomorrow against the Columbus River Dragons, the home opener, 730. You can watch the games on WBRZ or YouTube as well. So, Awesome. All right, so we're going to get you to get into that uh, a little bit later on in the program. Definitely want to break down as far as what you think that we and other fans in the boot can expect from the Zydeco this time around. Uh, but first, man, we got to get to know you because we were chatting, you and I were the other day, and uh, like I said, there's not a, ho- a lot of hockey to be played in Louisiana. So uh, what are your roots, man? Where do you come from? Well, you know, so I come from Santa Clara, California, so people nice. aren't really familiar with, you know, Bay Area. It's about five minutes more than Niners play, 49ers. 
But, you know, I grew up playing hockey over there since I was eight years old, and I've still played. It's a little over 15 years. I've still played to this day. I've actually played a couple of the guys on the Zydeco team, actually. I've played ice hockey, roller hockey, played Division One roller hockey. So a lot of hockey in my days. Two girls actually got me to play in hockey, believe it or not, and uh, haven't looked back since. Love the sport, but wasn't going pro with it. So I uh, got in the old broadcasting thing, and uh, here we are now. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You know how I can tell that you weren't going to go pro play in hockey? You have, all your teeth. Go. <laughs> you have all your teeth. That's, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. So how did you end up down here in the booth, man? No, so I went to Arizona State University for my undergrad at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. I studied sports journalism broadcasting, and I was looking for a job, and I was going back. You know, I want to go back to my master's, which I'm still doing, but... I wasn't sure if I wanted to just go back for my master's or go to work and then work, you know, full-time and also do school full-time at the same time. So I was like, oh, well, let me start looking at this thing we have called the STAA, Sports Talent Agency mm -hmm. of America. So they had this job posted on there, and they had a couple other hockey jobs because that's where I wanted to go. And I saw it on there. I applied for the job, and within 15 minutes, I got a phone call from Kelly Mahan, the VP of Operations, and she, you know, really liked me and was just talking to me on the phone and we did that whole thing and then actually uh there was a couple other teams actually that had my resume sent around in the league so they they kind of wanted me too to be their broadcaster so but the big kicker for this to come here was the whole wbrz deal like you just could yeah. not say no to that i mean there's teams you know in this league who don't have the the tv deal and i was like you know what that's kind of what i want to do and i'm a big saints fan so i, I had to come hey. here too I've, I've been you know uh couple games already but yeah that's kind of the reason why i came down here you know and uh it's one of the things i wanted to do and my great-grandmother was from louisiana so i just had to kind of go do that so see that's how i knew i liked the guy <laughs> came from santa clara california next to the 49ers who for the longest time were one of our like most hated rivals right next well, to the Falcons until <laughs> the division split but even from that area he knows that black and gold. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. My, my dad grew up a Saints fan way back when they wore bags over their head. And, <laughs> you know, he, helmet. Yeah, he had a helmet. I put it on when I was like three years old, trying to get the thing on my head, first of all, and run down the hall with it. And those pictures of me were just the thing just draped down my face. You know, way too big of a helmet. And uh, I haven't looked back ever since. And, you know, like I said, I've been to. Couple Saints games already. One in uh, Candlestick back in San Francisco, and I went to two already earlier this year. So I'm I'm three zero every time I watch a Saints game. I'm counting. So I know mm. the three four. So I need to go back to a game. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. You let me know, and we're gonna we're gonna drag you into. Are you here yeah. now, long term? So yeah, I'm here for the year, you know, and uh, as long as, like I said, you know, keep going. I, my goal is to be an NHL broadcaster, so you nice. know, if I can keep moving up and, and do that and keep getting closer to my goal, and that's what I'm gonna do. So Definitely. you know, if if that doesn't happen, I could stay here another year. You know, I'll do that too as well. So we'll see what happens. It's kind of a little too far down the line. I feel like to talk about right now, but that's kind of what I want to do. Okay, you mentioned the WBRZ deal. So, uh, for folks wondering exactly what your role with uh, with the Zydeco is going to be, go into that a little bit. Okay, so, well, WBS is picking up all of our home games, all of our broadcasts. So, they're going to be picking up all of them on, you know, was it Channel 2? I'm not yep. too familiar here with what it. channel it is. Okay, so that was a wild guess. But, yeah, so they decided to, you know, partner with us as a sponsor, and they were going to come air of our games. And they actually have our instant replay sponsor, too, but... 
Yeah, that's what they decided to do. So all of our away games, they said they might be able to pick up one or two, but for the most part, it's going to be all the home games, and so that's it. So you can watch tomorrow on 7.30. Uh, you'll see my face on there. You'll see a couple of our other our silent reporter, Lily Gale, is going to be on there, and uh, Thomas Hefferman, uh, my uh, color commentator. So, yeah, it'll be a whole lot of fun. Now, Donald, I know you had some questions for Joseph as well. Absolutely. So I was kind of wondering, you know, this is a unique thing here, an inaugural season. What was sort of the process that you've been dealing with and you've seen on your end as you're going from what was at last year just a very nice concept that people kind of gravitated to, to a full-fledged team put together, and it's going to be a great first season, I'm hoping. I mean, yeah, we're hoping it's going to be a great first season, right? You want that winning product on the ice. That's what mm-hmm. you want to see a team who's winning. That's how you keep fans inside the building, right? You know, That's and, right. And, and, we, and the fans here are great. Louisiana, you know, not just Saints fans. You got the LSU fans, too. And, you know, you keep yep. them in the seat. They're going to keep this whole place screaming. It's going to be great tomorrow. But, you know, it's been – I've only been here since – September eleventh uh, yep. around there. So, like I said, so I was sort of on the back end of the process here, but there's still a lot kind of going on, and even things I can't talk about mm-hmm. yet. There's still in, things that are in the works, but you know, it's cool to kind of see everything how it started to now. It's kind of like here's the end product because when I got here, the rink, the ice wasn't oh, yeah. put in or anything like that. WBRZ didn't get to see anything about that, right? You know, the jerseys and whatnot, and getting to go see all these events and kind mm-hmm. of all the fans and. And, you know, how they're reacting to a lot of this. So it's going to be really fun to see this whole thing come together finally tomorrow night at 730. It's going to be great. And this whole building is going to be packed. It's going to be pretty surreal. Like I said, you have an expansion team and hockey's back here in uh, Louisiana. Absolutely. Very cool. We usually broadcast, like I was telling you, at Echo Tango right out there in the capital city. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, due to some personal circumstances, we're doing things a little different this week. Um, I am out in Slidell, and in Slidell, we don't get WBRZ. So has WBRZ been covering the Zydeco in the, the lead-up to? Have you gotten a chance to do anything televised, yeah. like warm-ups, anything like that? What has that been like? So, you know what? I actually did a little bit of an interview. They did. They came in, I want to say, a few weeks ago, about three maybe uh, mm-hmm. around there. They came and they shot a little promo for us inside yes. the studio they have something that they shot that's going to air tomorrow it's going to be kind of like a live look almost you'll see that on tv to kind of preview everything so they interviewed me a couple of the players on there too as well and put together some social media reels as well uh you know almost like a commercial actually so um you know that's a little bit about that all right donald did you you had another question didn't you yeah, I guess one more question here. So obviously this is going to be something that is, you know, unique to Baton Rouge, our first team in 20 years. But as all uh, overall, the lower half of the state hasn't really had anything for almost a decade here. How is it kind of uh, interesting? I know you just got here, but sort of seeing the reaction as, you know, you're going to have almost a full packed house tomorrow, if not the whole thing. Getting that hockey spirit back in this state is so unique. You know, we've been without for so long, yet it's still present. Have you sort of seen some of that from your end, sort of working and maybe the going to team events, things like that? You know what? It's it's really cool because I just coming from Arizona to seeing hockey kind of grow, right, in places mm-hmm. that you don't think it would be very popular. And you're starting to see it here in Louisiana. And it's not a place you would think hockey would even begin with, right? You know, there's yeah. no NHL team or anything like that. And 
I'm just going to a lot of these events, people wearing jerseys and, and just talking about how excited they are. And it's not just even at the events, it's the Facebook groups they have, the posts, oh, yeah. how many views we're getting. People are just talking about it all the time. They're so excited and they're just talking about, well, hockey's finally back. And, you know, I'm hoping with that whole thing and just the Zydeco finally being here, that's going to kick off some youth hockey, right? You know, we yes. know LSU finally started the team at Planet Ice. The Louisiana Drillers are here and the Mudbugs. But, you know, starting some kids out playing hockey because then you can start them in youth programs, grow them, develop, mm -hmm. you know, as going on, you know, put them playing college hockey, juniors. They have juniors here already, obviously, like I just said. But And now you have pro hockey, you know, here in the FPHL now. So, I mean, just good to see that development and to see some kids, you know, get into the game, get open to it. Because, you know, all the things at least I've seen here is football is the biggest sport here, right? And then kind of followed up by baseball and some basketball, right? So, you know, you can put hockey on the map here and getting kids starting to play the game, grow the game of hockey, because that's what it's about, growing the game, getting the kids playing. You know, like I said, five, ten years, man, this will be a hockey market. Um, Absolutely. I have a question. Uh, forgive my ignorance, but when is hockey season? When does it begin? When does it end? Tomorrow. <laughs> so it begins tomorrow for, for the Zydeco, yes. Hockey no. is... Believe it or not, Brett, uh, ice hockey is a summer sport. Yep. No, so, so there's always those NHL commercials you always see, right? You know, is is uh, is it October yet? Is is it October? You know, those things, yeah. right? Uh, hockey in October, you see, and that's typically when it starts, right? Is yeah, October, sure. and then you have preseason though. It does run in September, but no much the preseason, right? You know, but anyways, so it runs from October typically to now around I want to say June, you know, around there. But the FPHL is a little different. Every season is different. So that's the NHL October to June for the NHL. But FPHL is October to May 12th. I think is the last day, the 12th. That's like when the championship would be. And after that, no more hockey. All right, cool. Cool. All right, Joseph. Enough about you. Let's talk about the team for a little bit. You said you right, have the opportunity to play against some of these guys. Uh, introduce us, not, of course, you know, like face-to-face -face or anything, but tell us about the team. Well, you know what, actually, I mean, they're still trying to build a roster right now, actually. You have to have, they have to have it narrowed down to, I believe, 19 players. So, because everything's kind of happening right now, everything's kind of fresh, and it's the first season, right? You know, they're trying to get everything, all their kind of eggs lined up. So, I would say tomorrow they're going to have it cut down to 19. Obviously, they have to do that. So, But you still have some good players in the team, right? You have Cody Rogers coming in. You have Parker Moscow, who's one of the players I was talking about that actually played roller hockey against in Narch Gold tournaments. Wow. Uh, Luis Mendoza was another player that I actually played against. So you have some good talent on this team that's coming in, some, some players who played college hockey as well in the ACHA, and that's actually who uh, a couple uh, teams I broadcasted for in the ACHA now. Not them specifically, but just the – the league, but like I said, there's some good talent here, players that played in the FPHL already, so we'll see what type of, uh, you know, roster they're going to have cut out tomorrow and, and what's going to, you know, turn out on the ice. All right. So at the end of every show, we get together and we uh, we do predictions, our kind of weekly winner segment where we, we handpick some games and we try to see who we think is going to win and what we think the score is going to be. So what we thought we'd do in honor of you being the first guest that we've ever had here on the show is, one, we were going to ask you to break down the game tomorrow. Based on your breakdown, we're going to make predictions. We'll predict this game right now based on your predictions. But we also want your prediction. 
Uh, that way, when we get the final score after tomorrow, we're going to get a chance to see just how good Joseph okay. is. Okay, all right. Well, so you know what? If I'm thinking this from a hockey player standpoint, you know, you have a new a new expansion team coming in right now. You do have the, you know, the energy from the crowd kind of yep. coming in to be playing a factor, but they're going up against a veteran team in the Columbus River Dragons. I mean, it's they're a tough team. They went deep in the playoffs, second round. And they, they played a tough series against the Carolina Thunderbirds who went to the championship. And like I said, this is a team in uh, Baton Rouge who hasn't really proved itself now. We know that they picked up players in the expansion draft mm -hmm. through trades and whatnot. But, man, like I said, you're, you're going up against a team who has proved to be in the league for a couple of years already. And they are only getting better, you know, in terms of talent. So, I mean, if, if I had to pick a score oh, right wait, now. Wait, I'll wait, be, wait, 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 okay. wait, wait. All right, I won't say. You're the, you're the expert here. So I don't want your score to influence our Okay. Score. All right. All right. Give right, no our scores first. You go ahead. You go ahead. Do okay. Do me a favor, though. Do you have a pen? I do have a pen. I want you to write your score down because I don't okay. want I don't want our scores <laughs> to influence yours. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Cool. All right, Brett. Are you going to get in on this one too? Sure, I'll get in on this one. All right. So, who wants to go first? Are y'all ready? Do you know hockey scoring? Or are you just go, y'all two honestly? go first, and then I'll base that to determine my hockey score. Okay. All right. Here's. <laughs> I'll I'll go first, and then I, I, I whatever. Okay. Uh, one of the things that we've been talking about, especially when it comes to uh, Saints football, is chemistry on the field. Um, right now, it seems like there is not as much chemistry amongst teammates as there should be, and that's why the offense is not as productive as they could be, and that, I think, has caused a lot of problems with them scoring. Uh, hearing you talk about the fact that they still haven't narrowed down the team to their 19 players means I believe there's going to be a lot of chemistry kinks that are going to need to be worked out. You're going to have people that probably hadn't had as much playing time with each other as everyone else. If you don't have a full team, it's hard to coach an incomplete team. Um so while I think that that doesn't necessarily bode too well for the Zydeco, I think that there's going to be an understanding. Uh, the fact that this is a, a playoff contention team, I don't think bodes well for us either. So if I'm going to give an honest prediction, I'm going to pick Columbus in this. Oh, I know, I know. You never pick against the home team in the opener. But if you'd have told me that, like, we were going to have the season opener against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Okay. I'd pick the Chiefs in Kansas City too. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say Columbus three one, but Zydeco gets the first goal and that place goes bananas. Okay, um, I'll go a little bit different route here. I, I will give the disclaimer: I am a uh, NHL fan of the Dallas Stars, so I've seen some good hockey and I've been hurt by hockey a few times. Uh, I, I'm gonna say this: It's a brand new team in a in a league where there's a lot of general, you know, sometimes things get a little bit out of hand, a little crazy. Um, I'm gonna give the Zydeco this one. I will, and I'll give it to them uh, four to three, late wow. goal at the end after maybe a slight comeback. And I think at the end of the day, the River Center's going crazy. Everyone's having a good time, and you're making a lot of Zydeco fans tomorrow night. So. I know zero about hockey, and I'm known for giving hot takes on this show. My hockey knowledge is hockey fight comps on YouTube. So, with that being said, I know a lot about Louisiana. 
and I know a lot about drunken Louisiana sports fans and how we make stadiums look. And I don't think anyone is ready, no matter how much of a veteran in any league you are, for a drunken Baton Rouge audience. So I'm going to go 5-4 Zydeco. Y'all put some high-scoring games up there. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, Joe, you wrote it down. Let's take a look at it. All right. You know, I, I, I'm going to say, David took the, the, the words right out of my mouth. I, I had 3-1 to one on there, but I think I'm going to lean closest to 4-1, to one, actually. You know, Ooh. I mean, I do have them scoring the first goal. I think the Zydeco are going to win one game out of the series, but I just don't think it's going to be tomorrow because just what's going on, like I said, you know, you have a new team on the ice, got to kind of build up chemistry. And I think if there's going to be a game to win, it's going to be the game on Friday, that response from them. We'll see how they do after they kind of get everything kind of situated. You get a little bit of the chemistry down and how your coaching style is going to, uh, you know, impact, uh, you know, some of the players and whatnot, right? So uh, that's what I'm going to go. I'm going to roll 4-1 to tomorrow, and I think the Zydeco can get the first goal, though. So did I, did I force you to have to change your score? It was leaning towards I had 3-1, to but then when you said 3-1, to I'm like, all right, I'm going to change. I'm going to go 4-1. to There we go. I'm hoping for a good game tomorrow, like I said. You know, I mean, uh, win or lose, long as the close game, that's, you know, all we can hope for. That's what the fans want to see, a good game, and they want to see the team win, obviously. But, you know, I mean, just the hockey fan inside of me want to see a good close game. That's right. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for your time. Thank we appreciate you. it. Absolutely. We know it's valuable. We want to see a good game. We want to see a great season, not only for the Zydeco, but for you as well. And uh, hopefully, if you'll be around throughout the season, we would love to welcome you back, and, and we'll continue to chat about the Zydeco and how things are looking down there at the River Center. Anytime, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Zydeco. <laughs> That's Joseph Furtado. He is the play-by-play announcer for the Baton Rouge Zydeco. Good dude. Cool cat. Oh, yeah. Great interview. I, I tell you what, like, just from chatting with him and the production, the, the not the productions, the predictions that we just made, I'm actually excited for a hockey game in the first time in a long time, which is something that I genuinely, like, I was, okay, cool, we have hockey before yeah. we started taping today. But he's actually legitimately got me excited. So, cool. I'm down. I'm down. Let's take a look at that. Absolutely. So, we got to take a look at some basketball here. Uh, before, before we do that. What? There's a comment that came in. There's a uh, comment that uh, came uh, in that uh, I would like to address. A couple of comments there. Uh, yes. First is that uh, Geist. Uh, that is, I believe, our friend the Easter Bunny, and it's oh. using the uh, username instead of the uh, full name. Oh, interesting. Well, the Easter Bunny commented, uh, "Just a thought. Maybe the Saints will throw the season so they can have a number one draft pick like a quarterback." Hmm. That's that's the tinfoil uh, hat. I believe they're already getting one from Denver, are they not? I mean, it, they only have three wins. They're not that many wins. Interesting. They're, I, they're, they could lose every one of their games, and I still... They might end up top five, but they're not going to yeah. get that. We're in that uh, gray zone now, unfortunately, but it would be nice to get and a quarterback. I'm known for some bold takes... But this is a bolder take than any I've ever given on this show. Uh, Landon Malvich says, "What are your thoughts on Michigan?" Uh, I'm I'm LSU in the SEC, but when it comes to the championship, we got it this year. 
Now, as much as I love screaming Wolverines from my love of the 1980s movie Red Dawn, I gotta say, uh, the Harbaugh craziness with the NCAA has come out, and more importantly, I would love to see Michigan beat Ohio State, and I do think, assuming they can beat Penn, even though, bold take myself, I think Penn's going to beat them, I think Penn deserved to win that uh, game over Ohio State. Three of their touchdowns were taken away from the Zebras, and we didn't like that, Um, but... With that being said, I could easily see Michigan win the Big Ten. I definitely think they they got the Buckeyes number. They're going to beat the Buckeyes. Um, but uh, to cor- championship, I don't know about that. I don't know if those Big Ten teams do too well outside of the Big Ten. We saw that last year with Michigan versus TCU. And uh, Ohio State, while it was a close game, did get beat by Georgia. Um and with a beautiful comeback by George, as much as I hate them, that was a beautiful comeback. That Which brings a good another comment that just came in from Jordan Presley. Does a two-loss LSU SEC champ get in the playoffs over a one-loss ACC Pac-12 or Big 12 champ? I'll leave that to y'all. So I guess if we're just going to take a kind of larger uh, view, and I think, Brett, your mic is on if you could mute that for me. Um, if we're taking a larger view of the overall college football landscape as we're at the midway point of the season, more or less, I think LSU in a two-loss scenario with an SEC title can get in over a one-loss pack team. They could probably get in over a one-loss Big 12 team. Any other conference, I'm not too sure of at this point. I think that those are kind of just too well cemented. Uh, Assuming you had a one-loss Florida State, I think they're still going to put Florida State above us for obvious reasons. And with the way they've played so far, it's not unfair. Um, And, you know, the Big Ten is going to get one or two spots automatically. I think they're just the big boys, and they see that in conference realignment. That's a conference that has put in a lot of work as well. And, you know, Ohio State or Michigan with one loss, uh, say they lose it, you know, be it uh, at the rivalry game or they lose it in the Big Ten championship, I don't I don't think they're going to get knocked out. So, you know, LSU is right now fighting for probably that four spot, kind of just acting as a wild card. And you're going to need some help from other conferences. I uh, I. I don't agree. I think it depends very much on the teams. When you're talking about which one loss other conference team would we get put ahead, um, assuming that it was us. But you've also got to take a look at, uh, you're talking about a two-loss SEC team, assuming that we're talking about LSU, who already has their two losses. As the SEC champion, that means that they're going to beat Alabama and they're going to beat Georgia or whomever else comes out of the other side of the division. Um, I think that's going to be really hard to, to, to fight against when you, when you compare those teams, LSU versus whomever else. Um, so that's what I would say there. As much as you hate, I hate to admit it, um, Bama still is a media darling and has a lot of weight with the playoff committee as well as the pollsters and all of that. I do think if in Georgia is the current media darling, if LSU beats both of them, I do think it's going to be very hard for them to justify, no matter the scenario, them not being in the 
top four. You would you would really have to look at the other one loss teams you're considering and who they beat. Yeah. Are the people that they beat as well ranked as the people we beat? That I think would be your final determining factor. And um, I'll take this one other live comment we're getting before we get too far away from anything. I believe the Easter Bunny uh, chimed in once again with, are any of y'all going to the game uh, in reference to the Zydeco, I believe? And are there any free tickets? Um, not free tickets that I, I know wish we had that while we were talking with Joseph. We might have yeah, I wish we had that hookup from Joseph, but maybe after a few more segments. But uh, no, to our understanding, uh, we'll probably... I, I'm, I head I'm over not going. I'm still recovering from the flu. So I might head up there. We'll see. Yeah, but if you are wondering, for anybody watching, uh, I believe right now all those tickets are available on Ticketmaster, and they're roughly anywhere from like ten to eighteen dollars in the door. And uh, no real bad seat in the in the River Center. Brand new scoreboard, so you're going to be able to see everything in perfect crystal HD. And if you can't get free tickets, it is going to be covered on WBRZ Channel Two. So as well as check your TV listings. All right, uh, you want to kick it in the uh, maybe our second break here, David? Yeah, but first we got to pay some bills. Uh, so we got to send a shout out to our guys over at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape because no self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf, which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Fleur de Green, they do much more than mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience, they do do well. They actually just took care of my yard yesterday. They also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape, or for more information, call Fleur de Green at 504-240-8044. That's 504-240-8044. You can also email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you. Blur to green lawn and landscape. They love what they do. You will too. I do. And, and of course, this week, while we are away from our usual home over at Echo Tango, we want to again give them thanks for the opportunity they provided us for the past nine shows as we've been able to put out content for all of you getting to know us and getting to know everything that we do here at the Boot Sports Network. <laughs> so once again, we will be returning back to them as soon as everything is all clear here for all of our hosts. And we look forward to joining Tommy and the crew over there at Echo Tango once again. And we certainly like to thank them for their continued support here on the Boot Sports Network. Thanks, Tommy. All right. So uh, before we get into our look back and looking ahead into the rest of the games we're going to predict this week, how are boys doing on the hardwood? Well, I've been keeping an eye on this. If you've been checking me, uh, sending an eyeball over here and there, I have good news to report, team. The Pelicans are winning, and Love they're it. not just winning. The Pelicans are, may I say, it's early halftime right now, destroying the Memphis Grizzlies. What is, is destroying at halftime? to 47 at the okay. half, so a nice 10-point lead, and you're seeing some solid performances from across the team. Just to give everybody a quick statistical update while we're able to do this live, for those of you who may want to check the game out after we wrap up here on this episode, uh, CJ McCollum is currently doing pretty good at what he likes to do with uh, two three-pointers and 10 points overall. You also have Zion coming in, still fresh, still healthy, still playing, uh, seven points to uh, assist there. And overall, just a good team effort. Everyone's sort of distributing. Nobody's really taken any sort of a, 
just absolute dominant role. It's just a good overall team basketball game. Uh, right now, we are still going to be without Jose Alvarado. He is injured. It's looking like it's going to be maybe two or three more weeks on that ankle. Had a little bit of discomfort the team released yesterday. So, unfortunately, no Jose, but Larry Nance has recovered from his preseason injuries. He has gotten eight minutes in this game with a solid overall four rebounds right now um, participating there in the field. So, right now, the Pelicans are looking pretty good. Obviously, the Grizzlies had some unfortunate news. We lost the former Pelican, Stephen Adams, this week. Uh, as he's going to end up having season-ending surgery. That's the second season-ending surgery for the Pelican, uh, sorry, for the Grizzlies so far. So a big damper in their uh, hopes for reclaiming the Southwest, as well as John ja Morant on his 40-game suspension for uh, taking that thing out where it don't go. So, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, the rest of this game, but the Pelicans hold on and continue to show that they are, you know, debatably the best team in the Southwest right now. Uh, a lot of discussion going on with that. But, I mean, let me tell you, so far I am impressed with what I'm seeing over uh, from the Pels. Gotta love it. So, uh, to that point about Steven Adams, he was the only person on the Grizzlies roster listed as center. Yeah. So, my question is, the one player that I'm concerned with on the Pelican side is, how's Jonas doing? Well, I have good news there. Jonas... So far in this game, has had a pretty solid uh, production. Uh, seven rebounds leading the team right now at the half, which is uh, pretty good for his clip, average uh, on pace for 14 there, as well as eight points, so nearing a double-double. Uh, overall, the best in the plus-minus ratings of the team, so he's overall the team leader in this game. See, that's what I was... I, I hate to use the word hoping to see, but when you hear that... Sports is about identifying weaknesses in your opponent and figuring out how to overcome their your weaknesses. Own. Yeah. Your own as well. But when you realize that the only true center that they have is gone, and you've got a seven-footer from Lithuania who is an animal, who is a feeble World Cup athlete, there is no reason tonight Jonas Valanciunas did not be the lord of the paint. Excuse mm. me. The king of the paint. The lord of the lane. He should Ooh. be having he should be having a career game tonight. Uh because he should be easily standing a full head taller than everybody else. Mm. Just keep popping it up and let your boy do what he's gotta do. Don't get stuck for longer than three seconds in that lane. Move, shake, grab, shoot, dunk. Just stay under the goal. Don't worry about them three-point shots that you like to take sometime. That ain't your game today. Not today. Not today. But I'm happy to see it. Absolutely. And uh, for what it is worth, I know you just mentioned it's not his shot today. Uh, he is two for three, 66% from the field from three. I take it back. Keep doing what you're doing. Yep, give Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. How about that? So, Into yeah. The Lord of the lane. Lord of the, the lane. lane. King of the three as well. So, who's got more? Who's got more three pointers? Right now, uh, he and CJ are tied, and he is shooting at a better percentage than CJ. Well, I'll be darned. But the most on the team is uh, actually this is uh, for those of you who are Saints fans or football fans. The Pelicans signed Matt Ryan. I was going to say that we ran a little long with Joseph Furtado, which I'm not mad at. 
But I was going to bring that up that we got that we got Matt Ryan to come to New Orleans and see how many people went. What? And did I say Matt Ryan is lining it up three for five from the field for nine points right now? He was a sharp shooter. Talent mm-hmm. from uh, was it Boston? I believe yes. Yeah, so, I believe he's uh, bounced around the league a little bit, but yeah, he man, did. He did be bounced a little. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm. I didn't. I was wondering if they were going to get him in right yeah. off the bat, or if they were going to give him some time to acclimate. Looks like he's acclimating just fine. Just fine. All and right. The are coming out of the half here right now uh, as I got the broadcast going on. But overall, um, I was going to do this uh, maybe as a kicker to our predictions, but I was going to say, did we want to lock in our final number for the Pels this year? Um, I have mine ready. I don't know if you have yours ready, David, or Brett, if you even want to throw I, one out there. I, I don't know. I did have mine yearlies. Yeah, yearly, the total win total. Which is funny because I let's see, I deleted them because we originally we were gonna we were gonna predict this game and then we got rid of it to make room for the Zydeco game. Um, I had said in weeks prior that I thought, yep. with the talent on this team, um, they could win sixty. After preseason, I still think they have the same level of talent. But I think 60 might be a stretch. I'd love to see it. 58 and 24 is the final record I'm going to give them. This While this show does not endorse gambling whatsoever, we did just oh, get we a, do. We do. Just do it responsibly. Two of the legality of your but we, we do, right. did just get a comment, Jordan Presley. Any possible bet suggestions on the Pelicans this season? Well, as the resident uh, expert of the line, I will give you this, Jordan Presley. Um, while this is in no way legal or financial advice, as producer Brett was trying to allude to, if you want a betting suggestion, there's a couple opportunities you're going to have to make some pretty solid numbers. Uh, you have an opportunity to take Zion Williamson as comeback player of the year. He only played 29 games last year and still made the all-star team. But overall, if he can get somewhere around 60 to 70 games at the production clip that he was having, he's going to not only be an all-star again, but most likely all-NBA. So a great opportunity there. You can also still probably on a few different opportunities, a few different books, get a total win total on the Pelicans. Uh, right now, you're getting positive money right around 45 to uh, 40. So take a look there at that. And then overall... Obviously, you see that Jonas is shooting the three this season, so if you can ever throw together a little one-game, same-game, or you want to throw a single bet out there, then maybe take Jonas to get a three-pointer in a game. It seems like that usually puts you in positive money as well. So, some lines there from uh, the expert here on Boots Sports Network. Meanwhile, everything I do is just for fun. Not allowed to gamble at all due to my affiliations. And we love to say that. But to answer the question I posed earlier, come back around to it, uh, Pelicans win total this year. I'm looking at this being not the best Pelicans team, Pelifornicans, whatever you want to call them, uh, the franchise overall. I do think this is going to be one of the better teams. I do think that this is going to be a historic team for the Pelicans. I am predicting uh, somewhere, and, I'm, and I'll put it on a final number, uh, somewhere between 47 and 53 victories, which is somewhere to put us around the second to fourth best Pelican team all time. I think that's what you're looking at. I don't think this is going to match the team that we had with Chris Paul and David West and, you know, even Jamero Pargo way back in 2007, 2008. That is the 
pinnacle as far as this franchise has ever gone. But I do think it is important to remember that this team is full of talent, and it's talent that can absolutely dominate a game. So I have the Pelicans this season. I'm going to put them down for 49 wins, and like I said, that has the ability to fluctuate plus or minus three in my book, in my mind. So overall, this is a playoff team to me. This is a team that has the potential to go all the way to a conference finals, get lucky, maybe further. But if this team is healthy, they will be a uh, playoff team come the end of the year. I'm excited to see it, uh, especially hearing the way that they are seemingly taking care of business up in Memphis for the season. That's me becoming a bandwagon fan. Absolutely, to Brett oh, oh. embracing all sports this year. Except he's going to like a sport other than LSU football. Crazy. Well, I'll, uh, Dave, did you still have some elements from kicking around the boot? Because I can throw a couple out there for uh, kicking around the boot. So I would say let's hold on to those for the next okay. show. Absolutely. Because we still have to look back and look ahead, and we're still we're pretty well into this show. Well, this one is basketball, so I'll make it quick here. I did want okay. to let everyone know that uh, our friends – the LSU men's basketball team and our friends, the Louisiana Christian Wildcats will be playing an exhibition match and the PMAC on Monday, October 30th. And they are not only going to be having that game, but there's also going to be a, a costume contest as well as a player signing on the court after the game is over. So if you want to get a chance to meet either of these two Louisiana teams and interact with them a little bit, uh, there'll be free admission at the PMAC on Monday. Very timely. Well done. Um, and there is something that, that we definitely should add. Um, we here at the Boot Sports Network would like to send our thoughts, prayers, and condolences Absolutely. to the friends and family of former LSU assistant girls basketball coach and current Georgetown head coach Tasha Butts, who passed away Monday morning after a two-year battle with breast cancer. Of Butts, LSU head coach Kim Mulkey said, quote, Tasha was a great player went on to have a successful career as a coach, too. More importantly, she had an impact on so many lives throughout her lifetime. We're sad to lose her at such a young age. She was born on March 10th, 1982. She was only 41 years at the time of her passing. So our condolences go out to the friends and family of Tasha Butts. Absolutely. All right, the rest of that stuff uh, can wait until the next episode. I agree. All right, so let's... Look back, we did say that one of the three of us had a perfect prediction this week. True, that's true. Time to find out who it was. We're starting with uh, Southeastern versus Northwestern. And this was the one that we said uh, nobody got perfect, but Donald did get right. He picked Southeastern 27 to 24 in overtime. I picked Northwestern. I thought they needed to feel good on it. I gave them 22-19. Uh, Donald had me beat by right team and by point differential. It was 37 hmm. to 20. So one but in game, doing so, he uh, has no soul. That's true. I did have to sacrifice for that victory. That's a true story. But it's it was hard. a beautiful tribute by both teams at the beginning of the game. Southeastern uh, brought the ball out to the 23-yard uh, line where they had a jersey laid out for Ronnie. Um, and they uh, joined together in a moment as both teams embraced. So a beautiful moment up there in Natchitoches, of course. I think that was great of them to do. But then afterwards, it was like, hey, we're with you. We feel for you. And now we're going to beat the snot out of you. And please take this L as a present. Correct. 
so sorry to have to do this to you, but I'm about to punch you in the mouth. Yeah. All right. Moving on. ULL versus Georgia Southern. Ooh, was this, this the one that one of us predicted perfectly? No. Yeah. Because no. we both picked ULL in this one, and Georgia Southern was the winner. So now we have to go to point differentials. This was the one that you decided to piggyback off of me on. Mm-hmm. I said 34-30. You decided to $1 me, and you said 37-30. It's 20-17. to 17. Low score wins. Yeah. I was off by 27. You were off by 30. Ding for me. Game three. ULM versus Georgia Southern. This was also not it. Not the one. Uh, Brett got in on this one. The final was 38 to 28, Georgia Southern. Brett was the only one chanting some sort of voodoo mantra mm. one way or the other. He thought ULM was going to win 21 to 7. Not even close. Donald, you said 30 to 3. I did. You said Georgia Southern. Which yep. was that was right, but thirty-eight twenty-eight. You were off by thirty-six. I said forty-five twenty. Georgia Southern I was off by fifteen. So that's two dings for your boy. Southern at Bethune Cookman. Mm. This was the game for me. For I got it. He did. Donald said Southern twenty-eight eighteen. It doesn't matter what I said because it was Southern. Southern. 28-18. A goat for the goat. Thank you. Thank you. Screaming praise for my guy. Thank you. Well done. Big ding for Donald on that one. Do I get double for that? I knew you were going to ask that question. I have to. I have to. We'll put it to a... We'll do it right now. We'll do it right now. We'll put it to a vote. Those of you here watching... No, for, not us, not us. First, three comments to come up in the in the comments section. Does Donald get double points for hitting it dead on? Is that yes a or no? that we will take? What? Yes or no, does he, whatever the first three comments are. Yes or no, if you're watching the live stream, if you're listening, should we give Donald double credit? Yes or no, I will let, we'll let the people pick. I think if they say yes, I will, I will allow it. Now, Brett, when we get those answers, just let me know. Will do. All right. Tulane versus North Texas. It was Tulane. We all knew it was going to be Tulane. We all got in on this one. Uh, I said 35 to 28, and I was off by 14. Excuse me. It was 35-28 was the final. I said 41-20. I was off by 14. Brett said 27-3. Brett likes the blowouts for some reason. He was off 30. He's been playing too many video games is the problem. He was off by 33. Donald gets the ding on this one. Hey! 9, 30 to 24. Well done. So, so far, also, we have with two, maybe three. And I, I got, or no, you've got three, maybe four, excuse me. And I've heard Donald is two comments in, that have said yes. He's one comment away from getting it doubled. Well, if it's a two-thirds majority and he got two it's guesses, already it's already been done. It's two yeah. Thank you. So thank you to Chris and thank you to, uh, to Jordan Presley for, for once again supporting the Boot Sports Network, and that, that would be me. So thank you. I'm, for I'm and C.D. Levine. What did C.D. Levine say? He said yes. So that's three. It's, it's anonymous. Okay. Yeah. I know it's unanimous. All right. So cool. 
So you get an extra, and I'm good with that because I know that when I knock down three or four perfect predictions this week, okay. especially that that Zydeco prediction, because you know that's what Joseph said he was going to pick. One week's going to come out, we'll and I'm going to throw out like ten ridiculous predictions, and y'all are going to get every one of them wrong, and it's going to hit for me that week, and that's how I'll catch up. You do that, Brett. <laughs> Go right ahead, champ. Please. All right. The tallies have been updated. We'll get into them in just a little bit. We got to talk about uh, LSU. No tallies. <laughs> mm, working through it. The flu is a, is a hard drug. Can't talk about LSU dealing with the FLU. All right. Yep. So we actually had listener prediction on this one. Charlotte Hall, 57-67, jumped in. Yep. She said she thought it was going to be 54-10 to 10 LSU. We all picked LSU. Um, I said 55-17. to 17. I was off 24. Charlotte was off 18. Donald, you said 77-17. Uh, you were off 32. Yeah, that was, that was a little bit too bad. Somehow, Brett got this one. And not the simulation. No. It was the brain of Brett, believe it or not, that got this one. He said 58-7. to seven. He was off a total of 11 points. And dinged that one. His simulation was 86 to 3. I assumed Brian Kelly was going to let Ar- Army score one just to be nice, but. Yeah, I did too. Maybe he saw my, maybe he saw my rant where I begged him and he's like, I can't quite do that, but met me halfway. I couldn't find the end zone. Saw that damn game mm-hmm. flush. Alright, last one Saints and Jaguars. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at you, Donald. You know why I'm looking at yeah, you. Yeah, you know. How? I told you. We scored over told you last week. How you I think still think he should have worn the shirt today. Saints scored over 24. I knew there was no chance at all the Saints were going to score 42, win or lose. Donald said he thought the Saints were going to win 42 to 21. He was wrong. This man was on Jaguars score. What's that? I was off one digit on the Jaguars score. Uh, is that you right? Yeah. Uh, Brett, Brett and I picked Jacksonville to win. Brett said seven. He was off uh, 24. Uh, Charlotte Hall got in on this one. Don't feel bad because she picked the Saints with you. She said 17 right. 7 Saints and was wrong. Uh, I picked Jacksonville 27 17 and was off by 11. So but, but it should be noted after the show, Donald had good reasoning on why he picked. What he picked. Do you, do you want to say it, or should it be kept secret? I'll, I mean, it's obvious that I have to do some things to make up a gap that exists in our championship <laughs> run. So, look, I, I, I have to take opportunities when they strike. We saw that the Jaguars were giving up points. Unfortunately, Foster Moreau dropped a touchdown. Say that game gets into overtime, it's going to end up being like 38-31 Saints. That's not that far off. So, you want to talk about the potential for overtime? Mm. It wouldn't have gone to overtime. If the Saints could have gone back and Thanos snapped their fingers and fixed all the mistakes, uh, remember Blake Groupie had a missed field goal in that game, too. That's if right. Does Blake, Blake Groupie hang out with a bunch of bands? What's that? Does Blake Groupie no hang out with a bunch no of bands? No, moving on. Uh, if, if Groupie hits that kick and Foster makes that catch... Saints win 34-31. So, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. I just, 
I told you guys from the beginning, it was one that was in my six. I just yeah. didn't see us getting past Jacksonville this year. Uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, so thank you, Charlotte Hall, for your predictions and playing Absolutely. along. If you guys want to make any predictions for the games that we're about to call, uh, make sure that you put them in and we will duly note them in our predictions. Or if you're watching after the fact, uh, we will go ahead and we'll add them as well. Absolutely. All right. We ready to look ahead, Donald? I think we're ready. All right. We start with McNeese and Northwestern. Now, this may be exactly the week Northwestern needs. The last two weeks uh, was very tough for the Natchitoches area. With the death of Ronnie Caldwell canceling the Nichols game, then moving up to Southeastern game Thursday, so they can attend the funeral services in Texas the next day, losing to Southeastern. If there's a silver lining for the winless demons, it could be that the also winless McNeese Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, both teams need a win for morale, if nothing else. It won't be easy for Northwestern, who has struggled to put up more than 21 points in the last five games, whereas McNeese has done that twice in a 35-24 loss to UIW and a close 31-28 loss to EIU. I want this for you, Northwestern. Uh, it's time that you had something to celebrate, even if it's only tiny and fleeting. And I'm going to say this. Three weeks ago, mm. I would not be making this pick, but it's time for you. It's time. Go get it. Northwestern, 21-17. So... Obviously, it's getting close to basketball season, and one of the more interesting... It is basketball non- season. Well, college basketball season. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, and we're getting close to having to mention some of these other teams in the other parts of the state. And I like a team that has winners. And as many of you know, the once-proud General Wade has now moved on to McNeese. But I, and excuse my mistimely prop delivery here, I'm going to shed my headphones for just a moment. No worries. We love the general. Take them off. Take them off. The general didn't do nothing wrong. Hey! I'm uh, still rocking with the wave brigade. Oh, yeah, baby. And McNeese is going to win this game, unfortunately, for Northwestern. Let's go, Wade. 31, Northwestern, 20. 31-20. All right. That was unplanned for those of you at home who didn't know. I did not uh, forewarn my co-host. I had no idea. That's right. Brett, I'm just going to keep rolling unless there's one you want to get in on. You just let me know. I know you got some catching up to do, even though we are leaving you in the dust. Which, by the way, uh, looking back, uh, with your extra credit ding, I went three of seven. You went four of seven. Brooklyn, five. Uh, which increases the totals. You are now within three. I've got 23 of 46. You're 20 of 46. And Brett is six of 23. Ooh. Oh, Brett. You'll get there, champ. You just keep. I once read this great story called The Turtle and the Hare, okay? And they had this race, and like the great man Jeb Bush once said, slow and steady wins the race. ULL! ULL! South Alabama! South Alabama! Alright. 
the Cajuns head on down to South Alabama to do battle with them Mardi Gras stealing Jaguars. Both teams are four and three. South Alabama's two and one in Sunbelt play, while it's the other way around for the Cajuns. The Lions give this one to South Bama by ten and a half. Big I can see why. In their last five, they've had explosive wins of 55-3 against Southern Miss and 55-7 against ULM and uh, 33-7 against OK State. Their two losses in the last five weren't respectable. One score losses to JMU and CMU. Now for the Cajuns, I could say almost the same, except their three wins in the last five weren't quite as explosive. No. Both offenses are generating more than 400 yards per game, and I think this game will definitely be won on defense. It's the start of an extended Bama hate week for LSU fans. And I hate saying this, but I think it's going to be Southern Alabama 34-24. to So I think overall, if things went a little bit differently at the end of that last ULL game, I would have been able to confidently pick them to get the upset here. Wait, However, this is ULL oh, playing Southern Alabama? Yeah. Thanks for listening. We yeah. have a show. We do it weekly. It's called Boots to Balls on the Boots. Yeah, I totally don't tune out on boots predictions I'm not a part of. But continue what you're saying, Donald. Yeah. So basically, uh, that game was heartbreaking. Uh, if you watched it live, uh, for whatever reason you were watching it, you know, many it was homecoming for ULO. I was in Lafayette the day of the event. Uh, great Cajun pride all around. Uh, throwbacks, the uniforms were beautiful. And uh, another team that has great uniforms, Southern Alabama. I have them uh, 41, Cajuns 30. 20, 24-17 ULL. 24-17 ULL. That's not crazy. It's not crazy, and... He is the only uh, the only pick on ULL, so he doesn't even have to be close to win it. That's right. Look, bro, uh, it's Bama's state. They're going down. They're already horribly down as a state. The only things they have to cling on is football, but that's slowly flushing down, too. All right. Moving right along. ULM versus Arkansas State. Arkansas Winter has come early for our Warhawk friends in the north who are in the midst of a five-game losing streak. Ice cold. Some by only a point and some by lots of points. This Saturday afternoon, they host the Red Wolves of Arkansas State who are a bit of a slump themselves having lost their last two. At 2-5 and five on the season and winless in Sunbelt play, this game for ULM is more for pride Whereas the three and four Red Wolves are one and two in the very much still open Sunbelt West. If Arkansas State wins this one and ULL upsets South Alabama after this weekend, we could be looking at a four-way tie for second place at the two and two in the Sunbelt West competition after the two leading squads, Texas State and Troy, face off this weekend. Both defenses are giving away yards like it's candy on Halloween night. The question is going to be which offense shows up in the best costume to take them. Uh, I, for whatever reason, just don't like the home teams this week. Uh, I'm going Arkansas State 34-28. Look, ULM has had a strong effort all year. They have not said any game is too big for us. They go out there and they fight. They keep it close. They're a good team to watch. Not a good team at winning. I'm taking Arkansas State Red Wolves. 
30, ULM, 28. 30, 28. All right. Dropping me four. Yep. We also uh, have a new comment, Dion Kino, new stream, let's go! Let's go live. Thank you all for tuning in, by the way. I have to support correct. all of you, because you've supported How do you stuff. like it? You know what? Who knows? Maybe this is a thing. I, I mean, we're going to be back in, in Echo Tango, but... I mean, if we can live stream now. Like oh, yeah, now that I got the A10 Mini Pro, we will, on forward to the future, be live stream. Oh, look at that. So yeah, we can live stream live, live in person. Live time. Hey, big fan. Uh, Brett, coming back to it. You want to get in on this? Both Donald and I have picked Arkansas. You can pick ULM to win 3-2. to two and That's right, Brett. You, you know, I know nothing about this game, but just why not? What do I have to lose? I'll pick ULM 14-7. Uh, Low scoring. A lot of fight. Okay. Okay. Tulane at Rice. Rice. Tulane travels to take on one of the stronger opponents left on their schedule this season. The 4-3 Rice Owls were 2-1 in the AAC. Tulane's been dominant this year. Their 6-1 start this season matched with the same mark last season to this point makes history. The first time in school history they've had back-to-back 6-1 starts. And while that is awesome, I don't think that's the history that Willie Fritz is looking to make. He'd like to be back-to-back conference champions. Donald, you're the sports guy. You know the stats. How long has it been? It's been a long time. Let me tell you exactly. Since 1929, 30, Almost 100 years since Tulane's been back-to-back conference champ in any conference. The only thing that could cause problems is Tulane's defense. They're by no means bad, but in the last five weeks, they went from giving up an average of five points per game to 24 points per game. The Rice passing attack that's posting almost 320 yards per game will definitely be looking to take advantage of that. Now, I'm not saying anything that Willie Prince doesn't already know, which is why uh, you can put your Rice away, two lanes, all the way, 31.4. Now, Rice is a team that has surprised me this year. Getting a win over newly appointed Big 12 member Houston, who took Texas down to the wire. Great game to watch, by the way. Uh, the Rice Owls are competitive. They're fun. Some some networks would call them frisky, if you're familiar with the terminology. Um, but what I don't believe in is taking food as a selection. It's just not allowed. Supported across the wide web. We don't select food. We don't put our interest in food. Rice is food. Tulane is a wave. Water goes on top of rice. We know that here in this state. And then after it's done cooking, while rice is left, the water's already absorbed in. It's already a part of it. I'm taking Tulane to absorb into rice, become their ultimate champion. 36, rice, 16. Rice absorbs water. I don't know what you're talking about. And this rice is going to boil Tulane. Okay? Because, listen, Rice has historically never been a great team. 
Hence why the great President Kennedy said, Why go to the moon? Why choose this as our goal? Why fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. It'll be a hard-fought victory. But Rice is going to win against Tulane. 34-21. I would like to apologize. I feel like that's my fault. The last four predictions, you and I picked the same team. And it was like, Brett, you want to jump in on the easy other one? And so now it feels like it has to be. No, no, that is not my fault. It is, I mean, not your fault. I was actually planning on jumping on this one because I'm a low-key fan of Rice. And I really hate Tulane. Mark, it's not going to look good. You know, it's going to be a little disproportionate for Brett. I would would like to to congratulate you, Brett, on wearing a different shirt this week, though. Yes. Had you worn that same green plaid for the third week in a row, we definitely would have expected tickets to the next home game. Because we didn't know you got that job. All right. Uh, we already called the uh, the Zydeco uh, Columbus River Dragons game. We did that with Joseph. So our last game to call uh, for the week is Saints Colts. Three and four Saints head north to take on the also three and four Indianapolis Colts, who were led by Gardner Minshew, who took over for quarterback Anthony Richardson when he got placed on injured reserve. Saints have lost four of their last five, and this is another one of those games against a wounded opponent that the Saints just have to win if you're going to calm down a fan base that's rapidly losing faith in the players and the coaches. Thankfully, Gardner Minshew has never won against the Saints. Kind of like Trevor Lawrence, never won in the Superdome. This season, he has been very generous with opposing defenses, though. He's taken, this is Gardner we're talking about, he's taken seven sacks and thrown four interceptions in the last two games. In his uh, last two games against the Saints, Minshew has thrown for only one touchdown, two interceptions, and has been sacked eight times. So hopefully that will bode well for our defense, which has not been the problem this season. Offensively, if the Saints finally started to figure things out, this could be a breakout game for them. The Colts' defense is 22nd in the league, giving up an average of 351 yards per game and 20 touchdowns so far in the season, which is tied for 26th in the league. If they can get past the miscommunications and the distractions, I by no means think it will be a day in New England, and I certainly don't expect P. Carmichael to post 60-plus again. Uh, But the Saints could be definitive winners in this one. I'm going Saints 31-17. And for those of you who are wondering why that sounds familiar, I also have a prop for the episode. Whoa! From high on the reaches of the shelf, what could it be? It is. What was the score when the Saints beat the Colts in the Super Bowl? Google it! It's my double ding for the week. It's for fun, but bet that. I like where you went with it. If it was the correct prediction, good on you. Enjoy your double win. But what I have is a prediction that is based in truth, a prediction that is based in painful realities. However, it has a silver lining, and that is that uh, the Saints' defense is still competent. The Saints' defense is still dominant, and the Saints' defense is still victorious. Doesn't rhyme, 
but it doesn't have to, just like the offense won't. Because this is going to be a game that is back and forth. It will have ugly moments. Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor will break a huge one open against the defense, and everyone's going to panic. But at the end of the day, Garner Minshew is a backup, but he is a very respectable backup. And I love Minshew mania. He will throw an interception to Tyron Matthew in the last half of the game, and it will result in a Saints victory. 31 the Saints have proven that this season, like many seasons, they are the Aints. And I think the Colts, hey, watch, I'll watch the, Colts will, the Colts will be that. Um, I, I'm going with my Earl <laughs> 17 to 14 Colts. Okay. What one head on it? Ooh. I'm not that confident in it. So I don't know. Hey, you're the filthy degenerate. What's your advice to me, Donald? On... So as uh this is a bet of fun, a bet of sportsmanship, and a bet of Correct. gentlemanly. There's never money on the line. There's never money on the line. It's um, just pride. I do nothing in the NFL. I, I how, how how much does the Colts have this game? I would say uh, the line. I believe the Colts are favored slightly by right one. By one. So uh, you know, Brett, if you were to take is this, this game leader, a Sunday game? It is a Sunday at noon, and I'm not going to say it confirmed because I don't. I haven't checked. So you're it. telling me, Dave, that if we if we we make this wager. You'll wear a shirt next episode that says, I was wrong, Brett was right. Colts win, I'll wear that shirt. I'll wear the shirt of shame that says, uh, I was wrong, Dave was right. If Saints win, I'm, I'm not going to make that bet. You've done that before, though. Okay, what, what more were you? you did this time, it, it the first time. I think it might be fair that if producer Brett... Had to do 50 push-ups with his last loss. Maybe 100 is in the cards. I don't know. 50 almost killed that boy. No, no. I 50 mean, was because I did it on the arm day. Um, my arm day next week should be Monday. Oh, fine. 100. 100. 100. 100 push-ups? Okay. 100. Um, I will agree to that as long as I get to do those on Thursday or later. So long as... So long as are you Donald lives close. He could. Would you come to video that in an afternoon? So the game is going to be Sunday. We're recording on Tuesday. I could do it Sunday. We're not recording on Tuesday. We can't record next Tuesday, the next podcast, because that's Halloween. Correct. So we will be on All Saints Day. Which is Wednesday, November first. Wednesday, I'll do I'll do a hundo. I'll do a hundo if I lose. I could do that. Good man, do it. We'll do. Do it. Indeed. Do it. Shake on it, sucker. The power of the official, ever bonding. It is official. All right. Uh, Let me write that in. By the way, a hundred. Now, that's not for the line of the score. That's for Saints-Colts. Saints-Colts. Okay, yeah. perfect. 
So if the Colts win, I will wear a shirt. Wait a I'll second. Wear... We have a celebrity amongst us. Mm-hmm. In the comments, the okay. man who found the Ring of Rings himself, Bilbo T. Baggins, just uh, commented, my brothers. The one who rules them all. What up, Bilbo? So is that Absolutely. all he said was just my brothers? My yeah. brothers. My, my brothers. brothers. My bro. It's been fun hanging out with my brothers Absolutely. here on the screen. Our new brother from another mother, Joseph Furtado, the uh, play-by-play announcer for the Baton Rouge Zydeco. Their season kicks off tomorrow, and all the home games are going to be covered on WBRZ. So if you don't have a chance to get tickets to go to the River Center and see the Zydeco play, you can see it this weekend, by the way. That's true. Or you just want to see what they're all about before you start doling out money, which still the game experiences are always way better in person. Uh, go ahead. Tune in to uh, WBRZ. Check your local listings for game times. Uh, but uh, On YouTube. we wish the best and a fantastic call to Joseph yeah. Furtado. Uh, and we will definitely check back in with uh, with him next week. And we'll let him know how the uh, how everything went with his prediction, our predictions. And uh, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see if we can't make this a... Uh, a more common thing. Definitely. Well, guys, I, it's past 540. I got a heart out. So, um, y'all, y'all ready to go? I think so. Okay, but first, uh, you know the routine. Now that we're live, just keep the comments coming. And if, uh, if you're watching this after the live stream ends, you know that we will shoot you out next week. Uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, enjoy your Halloween, which will be Tuesday, and we will see you then for another episode right here of Boo Boost. So long. So long, everybody. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.